This is Little America, a show about the immigrant experience, one story at a time. I am your host, Kamel Nanjiani. If you want to get married in New York City and you would like to do it quickly, New York One Minute is your one-stop shop. You just have to get a marriage license and then tell Goran Velich where to meet you and what else you'll need. What do you need for your elopement? You need flowers, you need efficient, you need hairstylist, you need makeup artist. If you need a photographer, Goran takes the pictures himself. If you need a videographer, it might just be Goran's son. Do you need a violinist? Guess what? You need a wedding venue, you need a Lima service. And if you get his all-inclusive elopement package, Goran's got you. I can easily handle the paperwork for Central Park permit, or I could find some good restaurant for you. Goran says he's married a couple in a helicopter. I told to the pilot, listen, buddy, you have to be in New York State when I do the ceremony. <laughs> Just don't go in New Jersey. He has married a couple in a hospital bed. I spent like a whole day with them in hospital with him and his future wife. He was very sick. In sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, Goran sweeps into these strangers' lives to legally, permanently alter them. So what's he learned from seeing hundreds of couples through such a huge moment in their lives? Avery Truffleman tagged along with Goran for three of his trademark micro-weddings to find out. Do you think we'll be late to this wedding? I think so. Goran Velich usually prides himself on arriving 15 minutes early for the weddings he officiates. My dad, it's a huge traffic. But on a cold February afternoon, we hit bumper-to-bumper traffic, just inching from Brooklyn to Manhattan. Hi, Hello. Hi, it's Goran. How are you? Good, good. I'm on my way. I probably will be late up to 15 minutes. And, okay. And the location That's is... That's no problem. Okay, this sounds like two people arranging a coffee date and not a wedding officiant saying he will be late for a wedding. The location is on the west side, close to the Washington Bridge, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I see yep. you soon and happy to be part of your wedding. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. Uh, thank um, you. And we'll see you soon. All see right, you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. They sound lovely. They oh, sound great. Fantastic. What are their names, this couple? Uh, I didn't ask them for names. Really? It turns out when you're doing multiple weddings a day, multiple days a week, you can't remember everyone's names. Okay, let's do this. But for Goran, names are sort of beside the point. After all, those can change and shift. Even Goran's own name. Okay, Goran. I'm calling myself Goran even if I change my name. That was under his breath. But he said, I am calling myself Goran even if I changed my name. Goran's name, legally, is now Michael. People who know me for years, it's kind of difficult for them to use the new name, but in, in the future I'll present myself as a Michael. When did that change? When I'm naturalized as a USA citizen. Congratulations. Thank you. Some people change their names upon marrying the person they love, combining their identities as if they had always belonged together. Michael Goran Velich chose to combine his name with an American one for much the same reason. When I got a citizenship and I called my mom and dad to tell them that I got citizenship and then passport, my mom said, like, you were always different than, than other people. You're just an American born in Yugoslavia. 
On Goran's first birthday, his grandfather gave him a camera, a Beretta made in East Germany that still works. Goran's father taught him how to use it, and together they developed photos under a red light in their bathroom where they blacked out the window with paint. Goran grew up taking pictures of his friends and his street and the world around him in the industrial city of Palanka, which is about a two-hour drive outside of Belgrade. Palanka was the city of 50,000 people, and my grandparents were there, grandparents were there. But growing up there in the socialist federal republic of Yugoslavia, Goran just loved America. He loved all that America stood for. He loved the concept of democracy. He loved the concept of press freedom. He loved the American people, even though he didn't really know any. So I think that's what America is. People are hardworking people and very honest people. Goran was always very unafraid to be vocal about his opposition to communism, even back in the late 80s, when he told me he was elected president of his high school class. Back in that time, it was impossible to be a young leader and not to be part of the Communist Party. Just to be clear, communism in Yugoslavia was nothing at all like the repression in the Soviet Union or East Germany. But Goran told me that in Palanka, this was how the system worked. He had to sign the papers. And the professor that was the leader in the school told me, listen, Goran, you know, it's not a big deal. Could you just sign it? I said, I will not do that because I don't believe in that. I mean, did your par- would your parents have been mad? My father was mad on me, my mother was proud of me. Still, Goran's dad supported him, but he warned his son that this would make life hard. <laughs> my dad was always like, listen, I don't think that you will find any job in factory or government or something, and you know, my son, it will be much easier for you if you are not like that. Think about that. I said, I don't need that to be easy. I need that to be right. One of the students who presumably voted for Goran as class president would, not too many years thereafter, become his wife. They married very young, just before Goran left to go to college. And just before a series of complicated and often very bloody Balkan wars in the 90s that eventually broke up Yugoslavia into what would become Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Macedonia, Serbia and Montenegro, and then Kosovo. From the beginning, I was very anti-war option. And maybe that was difficult for someone who was my partner back in the time to be in the small group of people in the middle of the country that say, I am against the war, I am against this, and that you have a lot of closed doors about that, was not easy for someone who lived with me. As Serbia became increasingly nationalist and autocratic, the political environment put a strain on Goran's marriage. And also, in former Yugoslavia, the wars changed what marriage meant, because so many of the conflicts were along ethnic and religious lines. Before 90s, people married each other, loved each other. Serbian and Croatians married each other. Serbian and Muslims or Croatians in Bosnia as well. That's nobody thought about that. Like It was like the same thing if you're getting married tomorrow with someone from New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about that? In 1993, Goran's son was born, right during Serbia's war with Croatia. Goran wanted to move to America, but he had a new baby and a young family, and he had to figure out how to make money in a very turbulent Serbia. Uh, My decision was already that I had to find a job. I was a photographer already, 
So a friend of mine asked me, oh, would you like to take a photos for my wedding? So I took photos, developed that films, and started to do wedding photography. For context, Serbia was going through extreme hyperinflation. Like Goran showed me this currency bill he saved from that time. That's $50 million. 50 billions? That's a dinars, not dollars. 50 billion Serbian dinars. And Goran said sometimes you'd need multiple of those bills to buy, like, one onion. And I think it's profound that in the midst of such desperation, Goran's art became his life raft. I did weddings, so many weddings. Scrappily photographing weddings in his community and just getting whatever payment he could. But later we made a real company. I bought a mini lab machine that was actually very expensive and I printed photos. By 1999, the Balkan Wars had concluded, and Goran's wedding photography business survived. And over time, it even steadied into a pretty good living. His wife also joined the company. Financially, we had a good life, new, like, new BMW, house on the sea, spending two, three months on the sea in Montenegro. And, but even with that status, I was not able to handle my needs for freedom. Goran still wanted to live in a different Serbia. He showed me a video of a rally he helped organize in 2007 to try to get Serbia into the European Union. And there was this massive balloon drop at the end of the rally as the song Love is in the Air blasted from the speakers. And not only did Goran help make this rally happen, he used his expensive mini-lab machine to print logos for the Liberal Democratic Party on all those balloons falling from the ceiling. I printed hundreds of thousands of balloons for their campaigns. But after years of sacrifice and organization and work, Goran still did not feel a meaningful political change in Serbia. And something else wasn't working either. As high-level corruption started to feel insurmountable, so did the divisions in Goran's marriage. She was probably not happy that uh, I spent a lot of time out of house. It's like uh, very difficult to, to have that life. It's hard to maintain a relationship when you're dreaming of an entirely different way of being. When you're perpetually dissatisfied with your life as it is. Probably the concept of life that I have as a dream was different concept than so many people have. My perspective was different. What to do? It brings up this fundamental question at the bedrock of any kind of commitment, within the legal ties of citizenship or within the legal bounds of marriage. How long can you try to make it work? When do you know if you've done enough to try to change it? And when do you leave? We both decide to get divorced. That didn't work for both of us. May I ask about your divorce? Was it a hard one? Every divorce is hard. I never hear about uh, the easy divorce. It was, yeah. It was difficult, but I decide just to, to go to the place that I belong. Good job, Glenn. <laughs> go, go, go. When we finally arrived at that West Side wedding, the couple and about half a dozen friends were waiting patiently for Goran on the empty rooftop lounge of an empty club on a Tuesday night. 
Look at Goran. Goran bounded in and immediately whipped out his camera, right after learning the groom's names. They were Miguel and Arnaldo. A few more. Look at Goran, please. Look at here. And then he just started. May you always be able to talk things over, to confide in each other, to laugh at each other, to enjoy your life together. Goran got going so quickly with so little fanfare, I barely clocked the ceremony had begun. May you be blessed with a lifetime of happiness and a home of warmth and understanding. Goran was reading a script right from his phone. As advertised, he got through his spiel pretty quickly. And they were the usual pontifications about love and commitment and forever. It was a little generic, or more charitably, it was classic. But this is all to say it was not exactly personal. You're welcome to share your own vows. But then Goran turned over the floor to the grooms. I don't speak Spanish, and I was too far away to get a good recording of what Miguel said to Arnaldo. Or what Arnaldo said to Miguel. But I could feel tears burning up in my eyes. Everyone was crying. Therefore, powers vested in me by the great state of New York, I now pronounce you Mary! It was a totally gorgeous wedding. And it wasn't what I thought it would be at all. Because it didn't matter that Goran was late or that he read the words from his phone. It was, of course, about Miguel and Arnaldo and their love. But it was Goran who held the room like a graceful host for one blissful minute before slipping back out into the night. And it made me wonder how Goran went from being a wedding photographer in Palanca to the high-volume, one-minute wedding efficient he is in New York. Because when Goran began doing this job, he hardly spoke English. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting question. So, how I became a wedding efficient? It's a twist of fate that happened on account of geopolitics and heartache and one very serendipitous coincidence. I arrived on January 5th, 2009, and it was so cold, so cold. When Goran first touched down in the city, he went everywhere. Museums, Times Square, Bryant Park, Brooklyn. All the while taking pictures of absolutely everything, including this crowd he randomly came across, a crowd of couples all dressed to the nines. So I was like, oh, let's see. Maybe that's some fashion show that I can take some photos. So then I recognized what's going on and I start to take photos immediately. Goran had stumbled upon the Marriage Bureau of City Hall in Manhattan. It had just opened on January 12th, a week after Goran arrived. Goran started taking photos, capturing the couple's happiness, their fear, their excitement. The next day, he returned to City Hall and took more photos of more couples, and then more the next day, and the next. And eventually, he started to print flyers for his services. My advertising was like, I, my English is not that good, but my photography is so absolutely <laughs> great. Don't, don't like it. Then in the beginning, I made a website that even people don't need to pay me anything that they can buy online, the photos. Because if they don't trust me, they will see the photo and they will buy. This was so many notches down from the successful photography company Goran used to run. He used to have a whole office and a secretary, and now he was handing out flyers. He was functionally starting over. 
and still somehow drawn to weddings. I was always happy when I see those people who are getting married and who are happy, and that repaired my broken feelings about my divorce that I had back in that time. I feel like most recent divorcees would run the other direction from a job like this. The last time I was heartbroken, I did not want to be in the vicinity of anyone in a relationship at all, let alone couples at the peak of their marital bliss. But Goran says this was exactly what he needed at the time. That was, for me, my self-therapy after I got divorced. How? Because I was heartbroken. I see happy people every day. I transferred that energy and I feel that energy. I was happy that other people are happy. As a photographer in Marriage Bureau, you know, my English was not that bad, not that perfect, but I understood some of the words. And almost every day, couples, they were late. Late Three, for their own wedding? Late for their own wedding. Yeah, busy days in New York. They're coming late. But when they were late and the door were closed, it was impossible to get the ceremony. And Goran said it was then, in 2012, that a supervisor at the Marriage Bureau pulled him aside and suggested he become an efficient to catch the couples who came too late and go marry them across the street in the park. So I was in the city hall every day after they closed the door, at least one hour after that, waiting for someone who is coming late. And I did the ceremonies. But sometimes, because of my English probably, Couples didn't believe that that will be okay. <laughs> yeah, because there's this random man being like, oh, I'm man, I can do it. I was like, there, I showed them the license and, and, and I get some, some client. Goran practiced the wedding script over and over again in the mirror. And it was not easy, but I believed that I'll do it and perform the ceremony. Did you ever mess up? Did you ever make a mistake? You cannot make a mistake. What do you mean? If you're doing that from the bottom of your heart, how to make mistakes with the words? It's true. You can't really think about mistakes. Because it's sort of a leap of faith for customers to do a micro-wedding with Goron. It just means they aren't going to be able to control absolutely everything. Their ceremony is going to be subject to the whims of the day, the traffic, the weather, or the Arhu player who just happens to be busking in the spot where you were going to elope. That's the sound of the second wedding I followed Goran to, and it seemed to have the worst circumstances imaginable. That morning, it was raining so hard, and it was so cold and ugly outside, I was certain Goran would tell me the couple had canceled. But to my surprise, they hadn't. Antonia? Yes. Hi. How are you? It's hi, good. Lucy. Lucy, Hello. hi. For how long you have been together? Ten years. Oh, we have two yeah. children already. Oh. So. Antonio and Lucy decided it'd be fun to get married, just the two of them, on their vacation to New York. Screw everyone else. Let's go and have fun. But at 11 a.m., under a bridge in Central Park, it initially did not seem like a very fun day, what with the awful weather and the loud busker. But Antonio and Lucy didn't seem to care. And so I decided not to care. Do you, Antonio? Solmi declared that you take Lucy to be your wife. And through their eyes, I saw the rain even out into a cinematic mist. The cold made Antonio and Lucy hold each other closer. And the Arhu player got really into performing for us. This couple had just decided to accept the day for exactly what it was. 
and in spite of its flaws, or perhaps because of its flaws, the day became perfect. Therefore, by the powers vested in me, by the great state of New York, I now pronounce you Mary! And with that, for Goran, Antonio and Lucy went from being a couple to one of his couples. That's how Goran refers to everyone he's ever married. He calls them my couples. And at this point, Goran has married so many people, he'll sometimes run into his couples on the street. And he always says hi, even if he doesn't remember their names. And even for the ones he doesn't see again, he tells himself they're happy. I still believe that... Everything is going well. Even knowing full well that marriages can and often do end. Which is not to say Goran thinks getting married is a decision to take lightly. It's just that maybe it's not a decision to be so frightened of. I think that uh, sometimes our fears that something is going wrong prevent people to be more relaxed in their relationship. Ooh, you mean just we're so scared of losing the other person? No, no, no. Opposite. Scared that they will lose their own identity to be with someone. More than they they think that they will lose another person. Losing another person, that means that that person was not your person. Do you feel like you can tell when a marriage is going to last or not? You can feel the energy between two persons. You can feel how much they love each other. But... Sometimes you cannot recognize anything. This doesn't mean that that will not work in the future. That means that they are just a little bit close to the world and want to be private. The third wedding I followed Goran to was one of those weddings. This is a place, quiet and private place in the middle of the Central Park. There was very little chat and small talk. Hey, hi. hi! How are you doing, guys? We're doing well. We made it. Great! Fantastic. They were a young couple, New Yorkers, and they were dressed up. She was in sequins and he was in a fur-lined jacket. And it was for no one but themselves. Do you have rings? Yeah. And Goran went through his speech quickly and efficiently. I now pronounce you married! <laughs> you may see their loves with a kiss. And then Goran started to sing. <laughs> Love is in Okay. So, funny thing about that song. At first, I thought Goran was randomly humming. You know, how he sings and talks to himself. But then I realized that song is Love is in the Air by John Paul Young. Love is in Okay. That's the same song from the balloon drop at the rally Goran helped organize to get Serbia into the EU in 2007. It's like this one melody has been stuck in his head for 15 years. And strangely, the song feels so fitting for both situations, for a political rally and for a wedding, because these are two not dissimilar moments. They both are these ritualized high points full of hope and potential. They're about convincing everyone present of the possibility of a certain kind of future. I don't see any bad decision. I see only great decisions when people are getting married. When you married, was that a great decision? That was absolutely amazing decision. The best decision back in that time. Then after some time, we got divorced. That was also a great decision. Even if that was very painful, emotionally very difficult. 
both decisions were great decisions. That's life. A wedding ceremony makes marriage seem like the ultimate, definitive decision, a singular goal crowned with a golden ring. But love is, of course, a practice, sustained day by day. Future is something that is the exam that we are passing every day. So we have to be ready based on our experience from, from the past. And it was five years into photographing couples and haunting City Hall that Goran had studied enough to be tested again when he saw someone sitting out in front of the marriage bureau. She's sitting and I said, listen, oh, are you getting married today? And she said, no. <laughs> she said, oh, I'm so sorry. But I could give you my card. You never know. Maybe you'll get married one day. Or, or you, if you're married, he's a lucky guy. So <laughs> <laughs> She was like, okay. She had to run off to be a witness at her friend's wedding, and Goran went to work. I got some clients, I took some photos, and I got a message. I was like, she texted me a message. Oh, very nice. Over Google Translate, they began their exchange. He found out she was a psychiatrist, someone else also interested in how love works, about how humans work. She and Goran dated for six months before they decided to get married. Did you get married at City Hall? City Hall, of course. We are still together, so it's working. Of course, you have to work and to be happy. Do you, have you married couples from former Yugoslav countries? Yeah, yeah, of course. Four years ago, I, I have a couple from Bosnia. She's Muslim and he's Serbian Orthodox wow. Christian. And I was really happy that that's happened again in that part of the world that love is stronger than anything else. And you performed their ceremony in Serbian? Serbo, Yugoslavian, whatever you call this language. Can I ask what it sounds like in Yugoslavian? Mi smo se danas skupili na ovom prelepom mestu radi venčanja Dragana i... A lot of Goran's couples will only see him for that one minute when he legally combines their lives. And then maybe they'll never see him again. They can't know that he once made the painful decision to walk away from a marriage that was meant to last forever. And so, eventually, will some of them. Yet, still, Goran fills his ceremonies with grand pronouncements of everlasting love and hope. And why shouldn't he? Each wedding, multiple times a day, multiple days a week, is someone else's new chance. Maybe with pouring rain, maybe with lots of traffic or an Arhu player busking. They can't choose the exact one minute when Goran will marry them. But weddings don't have to be perfect, and neither do marriages. Both will have their inevitable barriers to overcome. But as Goran said back when he was in high school, it doesn't need to be easy. It needs to be right. It is. It's, I love it. Little America is an Apple TV Plus podcast from Epic, produced in conjunction with the Vox Media Podcast Network. 
This story was reported by Avery Truffleman. Our editor is Lisa Suwep. Our engineer is Adrian Lilly. Brandon McFarlane composed the show's theme song. Emma Gross is our senior producer. Zach Mack is our showrunner. Nishat Kurwa and Josh Behrman are the executive producers. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts and watch Little America on Apple TV Plus where available. Season 2 of Little America premieres on Apple TV Plus on December 9th.